Welcome to the Poetry Questions TPQ20, where we sit down with your favorite authors to talk about passions, process, pitfalls, and poetry. My name is Chris Margolin. Let's expand the conversation. Chris, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing all right. How are you, Ryan? Can't get in here. There we go. Okay. Hey. Hey. Man. I'm doing just, good. Good. I was yeah. just searching my uh, bookshelves over here. I've got, I've got a copy of Here Bullet that I've had for well since it was released. So oh, I was yeah. trying to trying to find that one on my on my shelves, but my poetry <laughs> shelves are insane. So. Oh, I'm sure you get stuff sent your way all the time. I imagine. Yeah. Oh man, I. I gotta say, as much as I absolutely love the uh, the library that I have, you know, that envelops my house over the last like fifteen years, uh, I am I am really excited to pass the mail on to uh, on to the next editor coming up in about a couple of weeks here. Yeah, you probably need like an annex or something. Yeah. Oh, it, well, between my wife and I, my wife actually, uh, we we're both teachers, and uh, and Courtney taught for about a decade, and. Had about a ten thousand book library uh, that uh, that we when she left the classroom we we put out a message that um, only one person who could come one time to pick it all up and bring it to their classroom could also have it. So we got uh, we got one teacher to actually come with a big truck and uh, took away <laughs> took away the entire library. And I we kick ourselves sometimes, but like books are they take up so yeah. much space. <laughs> yeah yeah so so you're this that's right so you're stepping to the side but you're still hosting yeah yeah so tpq20 is is definitely that'll that'll be my baby going forward um and we were uh i think tonight's episode the one that comes out tonight will be the 99th episode so uh we're yeah i'll keep 100 that's like uh 100 100 i can actually i can actually say that 100 is the uh, the start of season six is uh carl phillips Oh, um, that yeah. was a that's it's a yeah. it's a good it's a good one i'm really excited so yeah. all that said thank you so much for uh, hopping on tpq20 with me today uh thank we you. always yeah. oh thank you we always like to start off by saying we know who you are but our audience may be new to you so if you were to kind of give the bio uh, that won't be on the back of what three uh three books uh three works of music coming out of the Nuts. Yeah, way too much caffeine, man. <laughs> right. So if you were to give the bio that's not going to be featured on any of those, who would you say you are? Um, I'd I'd say uh, well you can see this, but people listening to this can't see this, but there, there's a puppy behind me sitting oh, lay on the couch. So I'm like her uh I'm her rescue. I mean, she's rescuing me, you know. And um and her name's Denny. She's a golden retriever. She's about four, almost four years old. Wow. And uh, let me see what else things that wouldn't be on the back, like things you wouldn't see on the back of the book are like, what am I doing at like 11 PM? Like when I'm when you know, like when you go to the fridge and you're just sort of standing there staring into that void of the stuff <laughs> there and like thinking like, is it for me? like it used to be like chocolate and ice cream was my thing. But I, I find I'm I'm finding like what's happening to me because now the sweet stuff that I like, which I find is kind of sweet, is actually kimchi. I've oh. been like really loving kimchi. So like I'm right. kind of 
do it. And that's kind of when I go there. I'll be standing in front of my fridge eating kimchi with a fork out of this. <laughs> so that, you know, that's hard to sort of like, you know, crunch down into like any economical phrase for a bio, you know, but that's part of Brian, you know, like Brian's a guy from Fresno. I come from the Central Valley and uh, I come from, a, I lived on a, it was three, five, six, eight, one Avenue, 13 and a quarter. We lived out in Madera County. We didn't even have a gas station or a place to get milk when we first moved in. Oh man! And it's just uh, just a place that's. Uh, I come from an austere kind of country landscape that where I could see the the Sierra Nevadas. I could see the Ansel Adams Mountains up on the top, oh. you know. But um, it was like this beautiful place. But we we usually couldn't afford to go there because the gas that it took to get there. You know what I mean? It was like <laughs> we didn't have that. You know. So, but uh, but I. I, I I fell in love with the place where I was, even though there was a beautiful place I could see, you know. Oh, I like that. Well, and I guess that that leads right into a, a, a first question here of um, I always like to talk about timelines and kind of when people get started, but more um, given that, you know, you were in the middle of, of what sounds at least beautiful, um, but you know, the town with no gas. Wow. But no gas station. That's a, that's one you don't usually hear. Usually it's like, there's a gas station and a stop sign somewhere. And, and that's at least, you know, part of it, but how do you, how do you then, um, I guess, when do you start realizing that that words and writing is something more than you could do for school? Like when does it become fun for you? Uh, I think um, that's, a, it's a tough one. It's when it became fun. But I, I know uh, I had a huge stammer and I was very quiet. I was a quiet child through childhood mm. and uh, I didn't speak much. I just listened a lot. And my whole life, I've been more auditory than like the acoustic landscape is where I pay most attention more than the visual, which is weird because when I write, I usually I think I write more cinematically and like 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 a film camera or something. Mm. I'm very narrative. But, um, you know, I had this big stammer and it lasted into my 20s. And um, I, I think what it was is I had this like freight train of language. I was trying to get out, but I couldn't like land a sentence. And my, it was so frustrating. My friends would finish sentences for me. And it was really, it was kind of it was painful, you know? And, uh, but at the same time, to, to, I guess to get to your, where I started enjoying it was in probably in high school. Uh, although I don't want to discount like seven-year-old Brian who was writing little <laughs> short stories and stuff in his notebooks because I think right. he's probably enjoying it. I just don't really remember that, enjoying that. Yeah. You know? I do remember enjoying writing lyrics and they were so bad. I wasn't writing poems, but I was writing lyrics for this band that we were starting up. And um, then I eventually started taking poetry classes and I think again, thinking it would help me write lyrics for the band. But um, it just led me down this whole other path that I didn't realize that it was its own art form. I thought they did the same kind of work basically and that they operated the same way. And sometimes they do, but like poems do this, some other things too that I've kind of fell in love with. And that, that might get closer to your question, you know, it somewhere does. around 18, 19 years old. All right. So then, then a chicken or egg question. Um, I've listened to the three to the three upcoming albums. Oh man, you, I man, um, do I, I, I should send you like bountiful gifts of like food and stuff. Like, thank you. Well, <laughs> it's a lot. I know. Well, I gotta yeah. say, so so, um, I asked this question to a few other poets along the way who I know are musicians. Um, mm -hmm. but uh, and I always like to start it out like um, Ariel Marie. Um, and this is kind of where the question spawns from. Um, in a right bloody competition, uh, 
gave a, a presentation of a poem where she just starts off where they start off singing and it's mm. one of the most beautiful pieces and it completely changed for me the reading of the poem um so yeah. for you when you're writing poetry versus uh well, i guess when you're writing something that is strictly for the page versus something that might be auditory is there a difference for you and is there music in on the page that we're not hearing that you hear you know i i'm not sure if i know the answer to that exactly but i know i have thought oftentimes over the years that there's a that even when i'm writing that it's so complicated because you're for, first writing for the self and just trying to discover i don't even know if i'm going to share the thing with somebody else it's right something in a notebook you know but like at some point when i start to think of sharing it and revising and that maybe it's somewhere in there i'm trying to think like is this a out loud but like I I, res, I I say all of them out loud here in this i have a small house and the rooms are also i'm not a big dude or anything but like the rooms are still small enough that i can only take about three paces and then i gotta stop and turn around but right. i sort of walk around with the book because i went to school with a poet named navid alam he's in pakistan back home now but um he taught me about sort of walking with your poems and and having a phrase before the whole poem shows up and he would walk with that and and he'd be mumbling it to himself so he could get it sort of the music set in his body so his body could learn the music and the way I've, oh. you know, and so i do i compose in a similar way usually like i'll have a couple of lines so i don't know if they're going to be the first lines or somewhere in the poem and as it's developing but i i try to get that set in the body because then the neocortex has its intentions and it wants to, it wants story and structure and parallel things and symbolism and all, all this stuff, you know, but the body just wants music, you know? And so I, I know if I can, I think from Navid, the lesson from Navid is if I can set it, then sometimes when I, when I stumble, sometimes it's because, you know, the neocortex is running ahead too fast and it isn't in harmony with the, with the music, you know, it oh. isn't there parallel, you know, kind of thing. So I, but to get to the heart of your question, I think, you know, some, I think there's some poems that even though I'm composing them that way, I think some I feel are more for the air and some are, are for the page where people might read them. So I might not read them at a poetry reading, right. but at the same time, I think there is a type of, there's a different, and this is the tricky part. There's a different kind of music that's inside the head that's slightly different from what you might be composing for the air. And how do you get close to those two so that might work? <laughs> I, I love I don't that know. formula, you know, but yeah. No, I, and, I, and I love that answer. I, you, showed, you showed your dog earlier, but I'm, I'm in my, uh, my studio room. My oh, pile, yeah. My pile yeah. guitar is sitting everywhere. And so I, I love the fact when I was listening to, I started off with clouds. Um, and I, and yeah. as I'm listening to that, I, I was not expecting the other two albums. Um, right. because clouds is, you know, and clouds is such a, a beautiful arrangement of music. Um, it reminds me a lot of, uh, like, a, you know, if you were sitting in a room with like a cigarette or like an explosions in the sky, like what, what the, what those might become. I mean, it's such an orchestrated piece. Uh, it's just, it's truly a beautiful piece of music. Um, and then and then the other albums pop on and i'm expecting i'm expecting something similar <laughs> and all of a sudden i'm 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 hearing this just gorgeous female voice um the the band that you've got working that's uh, chantel thompson yeah she's yeah and then wow. later terry uh, kent she also has an amazing voice so yeah, yeah and and the just the 
the sound of this like nice bluesy tone and then and then you get to the third album and it's like this johnny cash like just low narrated story and i i'm so excited to really sit down with with each book and each piece of music and truly like spend my time understanding them so how in the world i'm a pretty add type of guy and I get so easily distracted by every squirrel in the room. How on earth did you craft six separate pieces, six separate collections at one time? You know, uh, you know, before we even started talking, I was like, how are we going to get this conversation going? Because like, I, when I, when I started listening to all the albums you have and these different bands you have, I was like, holy shit, we got to talk about your music, man. Cause like, <laughs> I mean, truly it's beautiful. And, and oh, you, thank you. you. You, you sing with such emotion that it's just, it, 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 it you know, it came all the way to Florida and changes the room. You know what I mean? So ah, I appreciate that. Um, ah, shit. How do we, like, <laughs> like, but I, um, you know, I, I think a lot of it, a few of the pieces started long before. So for example, um, Gasoline Love, which is the for that first song that started yeah. as the second album where Chantal's singing and her beautiful voice. That started in, when I came back from Iraq and I got out of the army up in, um, not too far from you, in Tacoma, I was at Fort okay. Lewis. Yeah. And I got out, I had a Jeep and I was driving down to Fresno. And I remember thinking, cause it was like on its last legs, it wasn't doing great, the Jeep. And I was like, if it breaks down on the way, then wherever it breaks down, that's where I'm going to live. I remember thinking, I was going to do that. Wow. Okay. What I was thinking, but that was a thought in my head. <laughs> but it made it way to Fresno. And uh, thankfully, and I, I was there. I remember I recorded. I got back with my best friend. I knew since seven years old. Brian Voigt is his name. And he passed away from cancer in 2012. Mm. And we had been in bands through, you know, that was when I started to learn poetry. It was because he was the guitar player. He was the songwriter. He was always a lyricist. He was always, no matter how much I study poetry, he was always much, his lyrics are so sublime and just really profound. And he was a better lyricist than I, I have, have ever been. But, um, you know, we, we sat in his apartment and he had this like beat up microphone and he had a steel string and I had a nylon string. And I'm I'm more of a bass player, but I, I know some chords and I bang them out and stuff. Right. And we're playing his songs. We recorded several songs, you know, a couple of mine and mostly his and so that song is the two of us, you know, playing on the guitar. And after he passed, I remember there was about a year where I just thought I couldn't imagine ever making music again. It just wasn't even like a, a thing, you know. And then I went back and I was listening to those and I was like, because I realized that never been made into a full song and never been realized it didn't even have a title, you know. And I was like, man, we got to like, that's got to be, you know, and it, it, it inspired me to think like, how can I? this is something I've been trying to learn and lost and grieving is like, you know, a natural inclination oftentimes is to memorialize the dead, but um, right. maybe there are ways to, to also collaborate con with some people, you know? And so I, I, I've been, that's a lot of what these, this project is about these different books and, and there are portions of them. They're like this. And for example, this song, what we did was we, thankfully my, my nylon string had a really boomy tone. So we just dropped all the low frequencies and it mostly isolated his still string. Oh. And then, you know, we'd have a click track and we were just banging right. out in his apartment. So we lined it up a little bit better. And then, um, then we just started bringing people in on playing bass on that. And, you know, we're trying to share his song with the world, you know, kind of thing. So you can, so, cool. so people can fall in love with him. And that's, that's kind of the, you know, and that, 
and it's similar with my wife you know they're, they're I want the poems are often seem like they're about me and I I worry about that because my main intention is for them to fall in love with her mm. um as selfish as I can be about her I, I still want that to happen because when I die you know it's like well you know I, I guess another way of putting it is if these get out there and people fall in love with her and they meet her in these poems and maybe in some of the songs then she's more in the world you know like more yeah. leaves on the tree you know kind of thing oh i love this and that's for me that's what you said about uh, about your you know your music partner for basically your partner for life for music uh resonates yeah. a lot my uh my drummer uh jason passed away this last summer and he was my drummer for oh from let's see we were we started when we were 15 uh and he was 10 years older than me uh and we played together for uh, a little over 20 years so and he uh, he passed away of uh, brain cancer this last summer, and I I really like what you're saying and and kind of saying you know we could we could do all these things to memorialize somebody, but how do we how do we let them live longer? Um, mm. And I think I I did kind of the uh, the deep dive in music, and I've been finding all of these boxes of practice tapes from like '95 um, yeah. and things like that that I'm starting to put things together with, and I I really like how you how you went about it, and it also gives me a very different understanding of the material now mm. knowing that knowing that this work is dedicated really is dedicated to to a life you know lives lived yeah. um is is really that's really impressive uh, yeah those like tapes that. when you go back to J- jason's uh, his name yeah so so you i'm sure you'll catch glimpses of hearing his voice in those practices and stuff oh, too and it's it's, like, it's, it's, yeah. it's awesome we uh we definitely i mean he was he was you know, my brother in, in everything. And uh, it's, it's fascinating to hear him. Like uh, I have a lot of state, a lot of like performance tapes, a lot of show tapes. Um, and you can hear him. Uh, he used to have a kill switch on my microphone because I used to not know when to stop talking. Um, and you can hear him, you could hear it, him hitting it and like screaming at me from behind the kit. It's fantastic. <laughs> I love all that stuff. Um, how does your, when you sit down, I guess, to work on these projects then um yeah. what what for you then uh i guess how did you know which pieces were you writing them separately as here's a project into itself or did you have to once you were done with a, a you know a large stash of of poetry did you then have to go back and see kind of which fit into which category you know i'm such a i'm a real knucklehead man i'm so slow i'm such a slow learner and i i sort of have to, have to feel my way through the dark constantly to get to a thing so like even like the first book uh, the wild delight of wild things that book that started if you reel it back it started as a novel i tried to write i wrote a, a draft and a couple drafts and i got feedback from friends and was revising and stuff but i wrote it about the wall with mexico and i remember because mm. i was um I was pissed off about you know this 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 wall idea and 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 I love the the Albanian novelist is probably my favorite novelist uh, Ismail Kadare I should not pronounce the name it's probably Kadare or something but I but I, I went to Albania like I just to see the landscape because I I really love wow. his books and and I didn't know about his work but at least she read him and turned me on to him and so that's how I came across him but um, and he's a fabulous writer so in, in that mode. I tried to write this story where the wall just keeps growing and growing generation by generation. And it's set in a, in a not too far off future, but it's several generations up and it's, you know, and, um, and I realized as I finished it, that the book, it wasn't working for a lot of reasons, but one of them was like, like, I don't really know both sides of the border. And I, and I feel like 
Mm. Like I haven't lived enough of that experience to be, to be the one who tells that story, you know, but like conceptually, and this often happens to me conceptually, I have an idea. I'm like, that's a good idea. Like, like that story is a good idea. That would be, it could be a good book, you know? Right. And, and I knew that. So that's why I put a lot of time and effort into it, you know, but like, um, but emotionally, uh, for me personally, I realized that there was like about a 3000 word section of the book where there was grief involved in it in a, in a scene. And I was like, that's what I need to be writing about. So then, because I'm still a knucklehead, I like took that and thought, well, I'll write another book, but I'll write it like as a speculative fiction thing. And I wrote this novel about this sort of floating spaceship where there's, there's a main character who dies and she lands on this space. She's assigned to this spaceship kind of thing where they're like a telecommunications relay station. And her job, she's learns how to like help transmit messages from the living and the dead, you know? So like, I can see now looking back, I'm like, okay, I'm getting closer to where I need to be, you know? But I, I still haven't figured it out. And there's one scene in there where it wasn't really even about the story at all. It was talking about a whale um, on earth as it dies in a way and I did a lot of research on it, it was more of, really more of a, a creative nonfiction piece you know Ooh, and okay. and it takes like 50 years sometimes for them to be completed you know to, to vanish completely and stuff and she at least had was proud that she made it to her 50th birthday mm-hmm. for example so there's a deeper resonance that was, was more yeah. personal for me but you know and um, so I took that after writing that book which didn't really work either I took that section and then I thought, okay, here's what, because it was a short piece. I thought I wanted to get better at writing nonfiction. And I, I thought, you know, I'll make, I'll make a challenge to myself. I'll write 100 of these, like under, under like about 750 words to a thousand words ish, somewhere around there. Each piece has to have, I have to learn something about nature and I have to be in conversation in some way with Elise, you know? And so I wrote that. And, and then I remember thinking, this is genius. This is like the best book I've ever written. And it was, I th- it might be unreadable. I think it's not. <laughs> so I, I went through this grief thing over this thing because I worked so hard on it. And then I, I thought, man, I, if I think this is the most beautiful thing, it doesn't work. What does that even mean? You know, I went through that whole spiral. And then I, I what I ended up doing was I realized that that book, I was really close to the book. But what had happened was, is that I was somewhere between the genres in a way that it it wasn't one or the other enough to be, to land, you know? And, and so I thought, oh, I need to, it's more poetry than it is creative nonfiction. I need to like recast these poems and find them, find this book as a book, mostly as a book of poetry. And so that's the wild side of what, so that's a weird way to answer, but like each of these things kind of came in like, like, like that. Like if I, if I was, if I could see ahead, I could save myself years. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess, I guess I, I'd say you could relax for a little while after these, but they're all coming out right away. So, yeah. you yeah. know, you, you better have the next set of the next trilogy lined up and ready to go for what, 2025, <laughs> the next, the, the next set will come out. Well, I, I kind of, I kind of do, but, um, yeah, <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, the music part still, you know, that's still really raw right there, but there's, there's a couple more books already sort of forming, uh, you know? Yeah. It's, it really is incredible. I mean, that's the, the, you know, to be, to be fairly prolific in such a, you know, in such a, a, a large scale over a short period of time is, yeah. is a yeah. really, I mean, it's, it, it's not something that a lot of people can say. So that's really, I mean, it's really cool. And the, the work is beautiful. So, I mean, I, I excited. 
I'm always excited to read your work. This was really, I, I had a great college professor, uh, Doyle Wesley Walls at Pacific University, um, who turned me on to your work uh, and, oh. and was a really, it, for, for some reason, your work just truly resonated uh, right away. And then I used it with quite a few of my, I used to teach high school before I taught middle school. And um, mm -hmm. I used to use, use it with, with my high school students and there was just, I think you mentioned earlier, the narration, you know, side of things and that you're, you are a narrator and there is a storyline to, to each of your pieces. And I think that's one thing that, that really kind of makes it easier. One, it makes it easier for high school students or middle school students to say, Hey, I'm reading poetry, but two, I think yeah. it makes it, I make, it makes it easier at times to kind of understand there is a storyline. There is a beginning, a middle and an end, and you kind of have to feel your way through it. Um, and I think there's a, and I, I've talked to a lot of poets who um, kind of use chapbooks or or collections as, you know, as stories. And there is a narr there is some type of narration and a plot line that goes through that. And I think yeah. it's, it's really cool to be able to do that. Uh, I, I am not a, I'm not a person I think who could write, you know, uh, write a larger piece in verse. I think I'd get very lost and confused. Um, and I love reading those types of pieces. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I know that my strength is as a sprinter, like I'm not yeah. a long distance runner, you know, <laughs> so I have to do it in like pieces and portions and, and I, even when I write nonfiction or, or like memoir, I, I write in fragments, usually it's like Frankenstein kind of thing, but I, but I learned a lot from the synaptic gap of, of like a, a stanza break in poetry and how, how readers are smart, you know, and, and, and they're part of the glue that they tie the things together you know right. and so like uh, that's one of the things i've been trying to learn and i think it's just a lifelong lesson we do we try to learn piece by piece or something is how can i leave space for for the reader to participate in in the construction of meaning you know like wow. how can i leave room and, and i think first it starts with me first like if i leave like an the unsaid if the unsaid is watermarked in somehow then in, in, in clear ways, weirdly to say that, you know, but if it's clear enough, if the unset is there, it becomes this glue and, and it'll, it'll maybe pull me, if I'm lucky, it'll pull me back into the poem. And then I always feel like if I'm pulled back into the well of the poem, then maybe if I share it with someone else, maybe they will be too, you know? Ah, you know, I like that. It makes me think uh, Paisley Rectal on an interview with her recently um, started talking about, uh, I asked her what, what she wanted to see in a poem like what for her made a you know quote unquote good poem and mm -hmm. uh she started talking about the thinking poem how uh the words are going to stay the same but 5 10 15 20 years from now what are the different thoughts that poem is going to provide for us and how do we see it in a new light so like i like i like that i think what you guys are saying kind of you know is is fairly symbiotic in a way like She's that. so brilliant. I can't wait to hear that episode. I saw uh, that it's coming. So I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah it's I yeah, <laughs> I, I don't I don't understand how I get to talk to such cool people on a regular basis. I mean, it's it's this is it's it's so much fun. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Um, as we start to shift toward the end here, um, I usually ask who you're reading, but I'm really curious, who are you listening to? What music do you listen to? Uh, oh. what, what music keeps you going? You know, I, I just started this, but um, a friend of mine said to listen to Pedro the Lion. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Good, so good old Northwest music. 
Yeah, yeah, like the education of Brian is exhausting because like I, I don't know anything. And like but so the whole world is open. It was like, man, I'm sure there's a band like on this street that I haven't met yet. That's really good. And actually, I think <laughs> there is a guy at the end of the street. I think he's a DJ, but I'm not sure. I gotta find out. But um yeah, um I you know I, I kind of have gone back a little bit because I, I had not listened to it for a long time, and it's connected to what you'd said earlier about the the piece of clouds and I, I kind of intentionally didn't listen to it, but now that I'm done with that and it's a thing, um, I've gone back to in the nineties, I was really into David Burns, um, the forest. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that album. Yeah. 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 And it kept getting stolen from me. Like I'd have it in my apartment, somebody'd steal it. So it was one of those kind of albums, you know, <laughs> and, uh, awesome. but, but that, that was a real inspiration for that, that piece. And so I've gone back to listen to it, to see like, did I remember it the way I, thought i did you know because i just stopped listening to it for like 20 years or whatever you know 30, yeah. uh, 25 years or something yeah um yeah i guess uh i've been listening to a lot um some folks around here in town because orlando i live in orlando right and okay. there's um there's a i didn't realize this but in the 80s uh with disney here a lot of jazz musicians came down here because of the because they could get jobs at Disney wow. and they have health insurance and stuff, right? And yeah. you know, job paychecks and stuff, but they play in clubs at night. So I come from Fresno thinking Orlando is just about tourism, stuff. but there's a pretty there's a generational jazz scene here now, and then there's also a really strong modular sense um, scene here too. Um, which is all right, pretty, yeah, like some really good players, like, like uh, like a type modular synth like well like one of my one of my friends you know he he solders the circuit boards and he knows how he you know he's taking he's taking electrical signals splitting it amplifying <laughs> the waves and changing the, the waveform awesome. you know what i mean so yeah. it's handcrafted but you go you see him play it in a backyard and people are like oh this is cool house music whatever you know they just hear it as like you know but it's handcrafted you know and it's it's not just sampled and nothing against sampling it's cool too but it's not simply that you know what i mean and ah. And uh, I mean, it's much more complicated, is what I guess I'm saying. So I'm just fascinated by how, just how brilliant it is. And I'm like, good grief! Like I'm just trying to play a chord, right? <laughs> you know, like, I understand that. Or play I a line that's really. you know in tune or something. You know, uh-huh. no, yeah. It's uh, I'm surrounded by a lot of musicians here, and this, this the college has a really good classical department. So there's a lot of stuff going around, um, just here in this small sort of ecosystem, like on on the album um on one of the albums or two of the albums there's a guitarist bobby coble and he was in the mid 90s he was on uh the album symbolic which would i guess is some people argue is like the the album that started the death metal subgenre of of metal right okay (laughs) he was in the band death he was in that band he was a lead guitarist for them but he teaches jazz guitar at the college at the university here you know and so i was able to some lit to him and like he's on the album and like it's amazing he's, he's a super That's cool incredible. guy wow, yeah it's so much yeah. fun i'm yeah i'm so excited to hear more of what comes from you uh this will definitely not be the last time we talk i am looking forward oh, to chatting with you you gotta uh, be careful because i'm gonna try to pull you in and sing on one of my projects back because you got you got I, pipes man and you got soul I, pipes, oh thank you, know? you i would yeah. i would be absolutely <laughs> honored to work with you on something that would be fantastic um Thank you so much for hanging out today on TPQ20. And uh, I look forward to sending everybody to Alice James Books for the next year of picking up <laughs> your new, your three new books coming out. It's amazing. 
Um, yeah, so thanks, thank man. you. Hey, congratulations on the editorship and and oh and yeah, the torch, you know, and and continue on with the, the parts you're doing and stuff because it's oh. uh, quite a gift you've you've created for everybody. So thank, thank you. you. Ah, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And uh, I will uh, I will talk to you soon. Have a great rest of the night. Take care. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to the Poetry Questions TPQ20. Please like, rate, review, and subscribe. See you next week.